0: Welcome to episode two of It's All Relative. The FansPeak team and family are here to cover everything football and share our love for the game with you. I'm Megan, and besides running FanSpeak with my brother Steve, I'll be your moderator here each week. So let's get right to it and introduce the rest of our FanSpeak team and family. So we have brother Steve, who is our fan speak resident NFL draft expert and content manager. Steve, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good tonight.
0: All right, and then we have cousin Brad, who is FanSpeaks data guru. How are you doing, Brad?
2: I'm doing quite all right.
0: I like introducing you guys with your, you know, brother, cousin. You know. Um, well, anyways, um, we are back by popular demand from our family. Um, but in all seriousness, we do hope that we continue to grow this podcast. So be sure to share it with other football fans. Um, we, this show is fun for us because we know each other, love each other, and really love the game of football. So guys, let's jump right to it and get to our first segment, um, which is picking our favorite TV or movie quote, or even a gift to summarize the week in football. And I'll go first, but first, I mean, we kind of have to mention the elephant in the room since this is a football show, and that elephant would obviously be Antonio Brown. Um, A different news story is breaking daily regarding Antonio Brown, and now it's taken a bit of a a very dark turn um, since he has been accused of a sexual assault in a civil lawsuit. So we didn't think it made much sense to analyze this too much because honestly, there could be more news before we even upload this podcast. Um, So I'll get to my uh, gift this week um, was before the news, the horrible news broke last night about the allegations. And it was about him going to the Patriots. And I think all the other 31 Um, NFL teams were very disappointed and scared to see that and I love the gif I saw on Twitter of the Michael Scott from the office the no god no um, screaming no and that I think pretty much did sum up fans reaction to that Um, now we'll see if he will be a patriot CBD uh, and see what happens but um, Steve what was your gif or tv tv quote this week
1: well, mine's very similar in the same, uh, in the same realm, and it's it could be about any segment of the Antonio Brown saga, uh, and that's the the uh, Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec throwing his computer into the the dumpster, and that's just how I feel about hearing the news, waking up every day and, and reading more about it. It's just getting worse and worse, and um, you know just it's just been a saga that it's the last thing that anyone wants to hear, and it's the last thing the NFL needs. I absolutely agree. Brad, what's yours? Um, So
2: mine is really about everything that happened Saturday where, you know, Antonio Brown forced his way out and then really just did not like Oakland. And it's the, I don't like sand. It's all coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Now, this is from Anakin Skywalker from uh, Attack of the Clones. And I find it as a very funny quote because it's just a weird thing to say in the midst of battle. But you know, Oakland has that that dirt on their their football field, and I I'm assuming that's why Antonio Brown left.
0: That's why he wanted, he wanted out of there, right? All right, well, guys, we're going to be you know done talking about Antonio Brown again because. By the time this podcast is available to you guys, who knows what the news will be. So let's move on to college football. Um, We're going to summarize the past week of college football um, with Brad looking at the team stats um, and Steve looking at the player and NFL prospect viewpoint. Um, So Brad, why don't we start with you? And um, what were your three key team stats this week that really stood out to you?
2: So this will have slight Big Ten uh, I guess I don't want to say bias, but you know, all the teams I'll be talking about are from the big 10. Um, the first one I, I'll mention is uh, Ohio state. They had over 500 yards on total offense against a what was supposed to be a good Cincy defense. defense. Um, they ran it. They didn't, they just destroyed Cincy. Like they had no, no chance from the get go. It was like 42 to nothing at the end. And, uh, I think people are starting to come around on Ohio State with uh, Justin Fields at quarterback. Now you know it is, a, is, it is only his second game, but you know shutting out a team like that looks pretty good, no matter who it is. Right. Um, uh, the second stat I have is uh, Wisconsin. Now I know they haven't really played anyone, but they have started the season off outscoring their oppo- opponents 110 to zero. Oh wow um, they uh I think they have a bye week this week and then they play Michigan next week um, so'll that'll be you know top 15 matchup and uh, if they if Wisconsin beats Michigan, they really only have one more uh, real test, and they're in the uh, big Ten championship game that's against Iowa um, so they they could really you know if they keep this up they could really make a run for even a top Four spot um, right and then the last one I have is Maryland um, they have scored 142 points in two games which is the third highest total since 1936 well um, now this is a good-looking stat but I think this is more indicative of how no one really knows who the second best team in the ACC is everyone kind of just thought it was Syracuse and you know on paper they looked pretty good but uh I don't think the core is it Tommy DeVito I don't think he's as good as people thought he would be and uh you know the Syracuse defense is supposed to be good um they're supposed to have probably the best defensive line in uh the ACC but you know they just got manhandled by uh Maryland who hasn't been the best recently so I think it'll be interesting going forward to see the uh progression of the ACC teams and you know who gets that vaunted second place position because that's what everyone's fighting for
0: well speaking of congrats to to Carolina they they went 2-0 this week right
2: yes (laughs) that was that was an amazing game um
0: you were there right
2: yes I was I was there and uh I haven't seen Keenan like that and I don't even remember the last time. It's been so long, and you know, it was full. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> sad to say something like that, but you know, I'll no, that's yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, oh, it's super exciting.
0: Um, well, then Steve, let's let's jump over to the player side, the draft prospect side. Um, which which college players and potential NFL draft prospects were really on the rise this past weekend?
1: Well, I think uh, you know, this was a week where a number of top teams played really bad teams so you know uh, some a lot of like the top quarterbacks were sitting by halftime if not before mm-hmm. um, some of the top receivers though we did see uh, some huge games from CD lamb and Jerry, Jerry Judy um, from Oklahoma and Alabama respective respectively even before they sat down um, but I think the game that deserves a lot to be talked about are the players from the LSU Texas game not only was this probably the biggest game of the week, uh, but it is a shootout. And, um, you know, you kind of expected it from LSU's side with Texas not having that strong of a defense, but uh, it was actually really impressive that Texas was able to keep up with LSU considering LSU has numerous top 50, top 100 uh, talents on their defense. And uh, I think you got to give, you know, quarterback Sam Ellinger uh, a lot of credit for throwing for over 400 yards, four touchdowns in that game. Um, Joe Burrow looked great. Uh, Senior quarterback really wasn't on the draft radar before the start of the season. He's now had back-to-back big games, uh, definitely cementing himself as a guy to watch. Uh, Ellinger's an underclassman, but he could look to come out if he continues to put up big numbers. And both teams had uh, multiple receivers uh, look good. Um, Devin uh, DuVernay uh, for Texas really had a breakout game, Um, definitely the best game of his career. And considering the level of competition he was facing, this was a huge game for him. And it's going to put him on draft radar as well. So I think that that's a game where um, people are going to want to go back and watch it, watch it multiple times because there's a lot of, well, if you're looking for offensive players, defense was another story. But um, I I think that's a game where you get a good feel for some of these guys. And, you know, it is nice to see them early season, top level competition and putting up uh, really big days. That is a good tip
0: for people who like to go back and watch the games and, and what players to, to watch for specifically. So, um, and, and then last week you talked about how the offensive line, there's going to be so many top offensive line um, uh, guys going in the, in the first round. Let's talk defense this time as far as non-position players. Um, what defensive players um, looked really good this past week or players that we should be watching after this past weekend?
1: Well, I think going back to what Brad was talking about, the Big the Big Ten, uh, two of the best, probably the two best pass rushers both come from the Big Ten. Uh, Chase Young from Ohio State and A.J. S. Beneza uh, from Iowa, um, both could be top ten prospects, top 15 at worst. And uh, I mean, these guys have looked dominant so far to start this year. And, uh, you know, they are guys who could be difference makers at the NFL level for sure. So uh, those are the two top guys and it's going to be a good battle for them throughout this year. And uh, as mentioned, you know, uh, both face off with a number of really good offensive linemen in their conference. So these conference matchups are going to be really fun to watch. That's a
0: good point. Well, this is a good way, to learn about players, the segment. But another great way to learn about players is using On the Clock on FanSpeak. It's our mock draft simulator, and um, Steve uploads a new big board every Tuesday, so you can see the um, players moving up and down the board. And it's a, just a great way to learn about prospects. So be sure to go to Fanspeak.com and go to On the Clock. Um, it's a it's a fun and useful tool to use all season. Um, all right, guys, let's let's jump to NFL and. Um, we're done talking about antonio brown now let's talk about week one and in week one unfortunately you see this every week and you see this every season and and there were some injuries we need to discuss um nick Foles, malik jackson darius geis hunter henry tyreek hill are all guys that are going to be out either indefinitely or various lengths of time um so i'll ask you first steve um kind of speak to these injuries and which ones will impact their teams the most?
1: Well, just by nature of position, uh, Nick Foles, you know, that's going to impact them the most, even if he can come back uh, later this year, you know, they, their backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, Um, they just trade for Josh Dobbs. Like this is a team with, especially with Andrew Lux retiring, we talked about last week, the Jaguars have a pretty open path to uh, have a shot at the division and, and, or a wild card berth. I mean, I think, um, but now that's tough to see. Uh, not that I fully would have expected them to beat the chiefs with foals in there, but I just think for such a long stretch, lo- losing your quarterback is it's going to be rough and it's going to impact everyone. The receiving talent that they have, which we did see show up a little last week, uh, Leonard Fournette now teams are just going to be able to key in on him. Um, so that Jags defense once again goes back to having a quarterback that they can't really rely on to hold leads for them, come back in a shootout, anything along that line. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest impact, but all these injuries are going to hurt these teams. Uh, You know, you look at the Hunter Henry and Tyreek Hill injuries, the West is is wide open. Um, uh, You know, I think most people thought between the Chargers and Chiefs, so both those teams lose one of their top pass catchers for what I saw four to six weeks rough time frame for both. So uh, you know that's a body blow to both those teams. Uh, you know I don't really think Denver is going to make any sort of run. And you know while Oakland had a good week one, I, I think it'd be a stretch for them to to really make a a run for the division. But uh, you know right now both the Chargers and Chiefs are losing one of their top guys uh, hurts them. And then uh, the other one that I'd mention is Malik Jackson. I mean this is an elite interior talent, uh, you know, him teaming up with Fletcher Cox made it seem like the Eagles interior defensive line was just going to be unblockable. Uh, you have a situation where the Cowboys looked really good and, you know, Jackson's going to miss the year. Um, so, you know, I know they already made a few signings to, to make, try and help make up for it, but you just can't replace a guy like that. And, you know, you're going to face a Cowboys team um, for the, this, this division who, you know, they were firing at all cylinders. Granted that was against the giants, but they, they looked incredibly, uh, that offense looked incredibly on point. And if the Eagles are missing one of their key guys, that's going to make it tough for them in those divisional matchups. Brad,
0: Steve didn't mention Darius Geis, but no, I, who in your opinion is, is, is going to have the biggest impact of the the loss for their team, or or what are your kind of thoughts on those injuries?
2: Yeah, so uh, Steve pretty much said exactly what I was going to say about the <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I agree pretty much with every point he had. Um, you know, that second place in the division is wide open, and, uh, you know, if they did well enough, they might have gotten a wild-card spot. Um, you know, I think... Uh, Hunter Henry is also a big one um, because the Chargers are kind of in the same spot. I don't. While losing Tyree Kill, I think the Chiefs have enough firepower to, you know, replace when Sammy Watkins is your second best receiver. I think you're doing okay. Um, and plus, they have one of the best quarterbacks, so I, I think they'll still win the division. But the Chargers are really going to need to get that wildcard spot, and you know, losing one of their best you know, end zone threats really doesn't help them. Um, (laughs) So I I think that will impact them more than some people might think. um, Especially for a guy who likes to target the the tight end. Um, Right. And uh, Darius, guys, I think you know, I don't know if that's the biggest injury, but it is important to note that um, AP was a healthy scratch, which is strange. And um, Gruden... was had this weird comment saying, uh, um, if he wanted AP to play, he'd line up in the I formation fifty times or something like that. <laughs> um, so I don't think he's a fan of AP, and so I I do think that Darius Geis was gonna was slated to get a lot of work, and um, you know that really changes their their game plan going forward.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Adrian Peterson will have to step in this week, so um, against Dallas. Um, which we will be at that game. That Could be bad.
2: <laughs> Should be fun, right? <laughs>
0: um, well, I'll let you go first. Then this time, Brad. Um, what was your top takeaway? I mean, there there was kind of a a lot of interesting games and and uh, I feel like fun games to watch and and interesting storylines. But what was your top takeaway from week one?
2: Um, I have like one and a half. Uh, okay. One I just thought of was a. Uh, Minnesota only threw the ball ten times. Now, they got up quick and they don't like throwing the ball anymore. So yeah. I'm not. It's just so low, ten times. But um, the, the main point I was that I thought of was there's so many rookie wide receivers that you know did really well, and you normally don't see rookie wide receivers hit the ground running so quickly. It's they're normally like a two-year, three-year kind of breakout potential, but very few actually do well. So I think going forward, it would be very interesting to see, you know, the kind of target share that these guys get and, you know, how involved that they are in the offense. So I thought that was very interesting. Um,
0: that's a great point. Steve talks about that every year with the draft. So that's a great point about the, the rookie wide receivers. Steve, what was your top takeaway from week one?
1: Oh. Uh, Well, one thing I just wanted to add on to what Brad was saying there about the rookie receivers, I I did find that very interesting. Uh, Also, T.J. Hawkinson, tight end, is another position that typically takes two, three years, Um, and he, you know, you looked well in uh, like like elite uh, uh, from day one. So that was impressive. Um, And I think it will be interesting to see if this was just a blip for these rookie receivers. I don't know how. I'd hammer them in fantasy and things like that just yet. Uh, But it also could just go to show, you know, some of the uh, teams that are much better at coaching up their offensive players and getting them in positive positions. And, you know, whether it's – this could just be deeper analysis, but whether it's coaches not trying to give a full playbook to a rookie receiver and just saying, hey, these are what I need you to focus on, get on page with our quarterback – and, you know, we'll build on from there. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but you're, you're absolutely right. That was, that was very impressive. But I think my overall takeaway um, boils down to, I don't know if we're going to see a lot of change this year from the good teams from last year. You know what I um, None, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about the Jaguars maybe being a team. Uh, you know, I threw out the Bills or Jets maybe making a run none of those teams look like they're going to do anything. Um, You know, teams like San Francisco who do get their quarterback back, they were very injured last year. I think some people thought maybe they could make a run. They didn't look that impressive uh, overall. Um, You know, Detroit was another team I think people thought could bounce back from a rough year last year. They, you know, they blew a game, and they seem to have a lot of issues still. So, Um, I think that it will be interesting to see because we typically do see, you know, some big swings in um, a couple teams from the year before make the playoffs or at least have winning records that didn't from the previous year. And I'm not sure if we're going to see that this year. I mean, obviously, it's a long season. Some big injuries could impact this. Um, You you know, we'll we'll have to continue to monitor. it. But week one, the guys, the teams who we thought were going to be good were pretty good.
0: Well, that actually leads me into my next question was discussing the week one expectations. And well, I totally agree with your point. The Browns were one team that I think um, definitely let their fans down, but also um, were definitely kind of the opposite of what people were expecting. Um, The Raiders were the opposite of what people were expecting in in a positive way. I I think most probably thought they, especially with the Antonio Brown drama, were going to come out flat. Um, definitely thought the Broncos were going to win that game. Um, so they were a positive, um, uh, kind of opposite of what people, uh, were projecting. And then you even had teams like the Colts, the Bengals, I thought the Redskins, but, um, that, that gave the, their opponents a little tougher run for their money. Um, so, you know, Brad, speak to that. Um, you know, were those, did those teams kind of surprise you?
2: Uh, I, I think the Browns kind of surprised everyone, whether you were high on them or not. Yeah. You know, they got whipped by 30 at home to an un, uninspiring Titans team. Right. Um, so even if you didn't think they were going to take the division or anything, they still got they got stomped. And I, I do think that's kind of surprising. I don't think they're yes. that bad, but I do think it helps people reel in some of their high expectations of Super Bowl. Because, you know. They clearly have some work to do, um, but I I want to touch on the Colts. I think that yeah. showing was a testament to how much better their coaching is sure. and their overall team outside of quarterback. Since was it two years ago when Andrew Luck sold the whole season? Yes, yeah. yes. I think I think that's really big. Not only has Brissett looked you know competent, but you know they they came back from being down and there's talent on that team um i i don't think they're going to get rolled over everyone was saying Col- colts are going you know 3 and 13 i don't th- i think they're better than that and i think uh you know i'm not saying they're going to win the division or even get a wild card but i i don't think they're going to be the uh the steamrolling team uh that they were 2 years ago um right. and then the raiders I don't think they're that good. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do think they will have good games, but I think overall they'll be, you know, six and 10.
0: Nothing. Okay. They'll... I was just going to ask you, so you don't see them as a playoff team then?
2: I do not. Okay.
0: And what about the Titans? We just, you just mentioned the Titans in the Browns game. Do you think, I mean, that was a surprise.
2: Yeah, that was a surprise. Um, I do think Tennessee is, I mean, I was kind of one of these people that were thinking they might go six and 10 as well, but it seems like they'll go eight and eight, just like every other year. Um, <laughs> they're a little bit better, and I I do think that they were very hyped up to play that game. Sure, uh, I'm sure I'm sure they uh really wanted to shut Baker up. Um, <laughs> and all the all the uh, the critics and you know NFL people were saying Browns are so good, Tennessee's so bad. This shouldn't be close. And you know Tennessee has talent, but. No one expected thirty points.
0: Definitely not, um, Steve. Uh, talk about some of those surprise teams. You know, good or bad.
1: Yeah, one thing I, I did want to mention about Oakland, we didn't really cover it as far as the injury thing, but they did. They suffered some major injuries to the secondary. With two, of their yeah. young guys, Deron Conley, and then the guy who hit him, Jonathan Abram, both are going to be out. Um, and that's this is not indefinitely
0: a, or how uh, Abram
1: they put on IR. I don't think they've announced Conley. But, I mean, he was taken off on a stretcher. Right. Um, that's, you know, I, he's going to miss significant time. Um, so, you know, the, those are two young pieces. They're counting on their secondary won't be there. Uh, and going forward, they're going to face better quarterbacks than Joe Flacco. Um, I think, you know, in regards to some of these other teams, uh, I do want to say, I think Brad summed it up, you know with the titans like this is a team everyone wanted to put them as like a five six win team to start the year they've consistently been like eight and eight nine and seven type of a team i think they'll be that again but they you know maybe they're the team that benefits from the andrew luck injury and especially now the nick Foles injury maybe they you know get back in the playoffs they were in there a couple years ago so um You know, they have the running game. They have decent defense. If Mariota stays healthy, and even if he doesn't, they now have Tannehill. They actually have a a competent quarterback option um, behind them. So we'll see. And they they did add some weapons, and um, obviously Delaney Walker had a big game. So uh, I think the biggest takeaway from that game was the Browns, their offensive line is not good and uh, really hindered that entire offense. And they, they now have all these weapons on offense and this young, high-quality quarterback, and they can't do anything. You know, that, that was my takeaway from what I watch, um, and that, I think that's going to be a big problem for them going forward. Uh, I, the one team didn't really talk about it, and I don't think they're going to really make a run this year, but another team that people had zero expectations for was the Cincinnati Bengals, and, you know, they played the Seahawks extremely tough uh and nobody gave him any credit for that especially without aj green um, in seattle too yeah. yeah in seattle uh john ross and and right after seattle gets javon Clowney and you know like the seattle is supposed to have a really good defense and i think they will have a good defense uh but john ross has a big game they have tyler boyd uh mixon who got banged up and, and gio bernard uh Eifert. you know they they got some pieces there andy dalton threw for over 400 yards um that's nothing to slouch about again on the road in that type of game environment. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to be tougher than than people expect. Probably not going to make a real playoff run, but I don't think they're going to be the pushover that people were expecting.
0: Sure. Well, we're super excited football is back, so let's talk about week two. Um, what are the most interesting matchups in week two in your all's mind, and do you foresee any potential upsets? What do you, what do you think, Brad? Um,
2: I think – an interesting matchup will be uh, Jacksonville, Houston um, only for the sense that, you know, how will Jacksonville bounce back? Um, I think the, uh, the Chargers Detroit game is interesting and in only the sense of, you know, it should be like close. And I, I do think it'll be interesting to see, you know, some people like to Detroit coming into this year. They didn't look so hot, but you know, they're at home now, and then the Chargers—they're supposed to be this. You know, they won 12 games last last year, and um, I think you know they had a good week one um, offensively. But you know, I think that'll be an entertaining game. Um, and then I think I think everyone will enjoy watching the uh, the big game, New Orleans uh, Rams um, rematch of the uh, NFC Championship game. Um, and I think uh, I think that'll really show a good idea of who might be the better team in the NFC.
0: Do you have any predictions for that game?
2: Uh, tie, hopefully. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I think the Rams are going to win. Um, I don't. I wasn't super impressed by either team the first week, but you know it's week one. There's still tons of talent, and, uh, and I, I'm just I think I like the Rams a little bit more.
0: Sure. How about you, Steve? Um, let's talk about the NFC Championship rematch first. Who do you like in that game? Uh,
1: you know, I'm going to go Saints. Um, you know, I know they started off a little slow in that game, but and I know they're they're not going to be in the dome. Uh, but I just, you know, Drew Brees, I think, just shows he, you know, he still has the magic in him. Like, uh, you know, that. That drive, comeback, end, yeah. that drive at the end to get into field goal range, how many quarterbacks do that? You know, I mean, not many. They they had no time on the clock, uh, or just about no time on the clock, no timeouts, and and you know he's just one, or I think they had one timeout, one timeout and time, just yeah. get some in position for the game winning field goal. And I think very few quarterbacks would have been able to do that in that situation. And I you know I think he knows this is about it for him. So and I think he knows how big of a game that is. So uh, I like that. And, you know, what Brad was saying earlier, Goff did not look great. And I know Goff has better home splits than road splits, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any carryover effect uh, with with Goff not looking great week one. So uh, I, I definitely think it'll be a great game, but I like the Saints.
0: Okay, what uh, any other interesting matchups you're you're watching Week Two, Steve, or any other potential upsets you see?
1: Well, I think uh, I definitely think an interesting matchup is the uh, Steelers Seahawks game. Uh, Steelers obviously were just blown out of the water Sunday night by the Patriots. Um, I think they're gonna definitely look for uh, now coming home. I think they're gonna look for a little redemption here, and it's gonna be a tough matchup. I mean, Seattle is a good team. They they barely beat Cincinnati, but they should be a good team. And, obviously, you can never count out Russell Wilson. So, I think that would be a good game. I do like the Steelers at home. I, th- I think they're much better than what they showed Sunday night. Uh, and I think them being at home, they're going to they're gonna come away with the win. But, uh, overall, I kind of think, um, you know, it's not a, a great week of matchups. Uh, the other one is that Green Bay-Minnesota game, you know, right. last – Last year, I think it was week two, uh, I I think Rodgers and Cousins combined for like 900 yards and the game went into overtime or or, or was right about to go to overtime. And I think they had like nine passing touchdowns between them. As Brad mentioned before, Minnesota threw 10 times, you know, like under 10 times last week. Um, We'll see if they need to open up this offense um, some for this matchup.
0: Yeah, and I know the Packers had a, a tough defensive matchup against the Bears, but obviously they they um, you know, weren't and they're getting used to obviously a new offense. So it'll definitely be interesting to see if that game um is is a lot more slow paced than obviously it was last year. So um well that wraps up our, our NFL um you know, discussion, and let's let's now take a look at fantasy football. Um, as you guys know, we all play DraftKings, um, but whether you're playing season-long daily fantasy, um, hopefully these um, takes that we we give you can give you some insight when you're getting ready for your fantasy football week two. Um, so, when we're talking about players here, we're going to kind of talk about based off the DraftKings salaries um, again, since that's what the three of us play. So, um, so guys, let's talk and start. Start at the quarterback position. Um, who is your favorite high price and who is your favorite low price quarterback, Brad?
2: Um, there's a couple high price guys that I like. Um, I don't know if I'll play them because I'm not much of a high price quarterback guy. But I think yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson um, looks to have a good matchup. Uh, yes. I like Deshaun Watson <laughs> as kind of like a. don't I, I don't think the Jacksonville defense is going to be, you know as as crazy as they uh crazy good as they have been in the past couple of years and I I think Deshaun I mean he just balled out the other night. Oh, yeah. Um and then uh I think the the last one is uh, Dak Prescott.
0: Um Oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I think he looked really good. He might have played one of his best games in his whole career yeah. last week and you know, they'll be on the road. I think uh, they might have to, to pass more. But, you know, if he can do what he did the other week, I think that'll be a, a top performance again.
0: It'll be a disappointment for the Shout family.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, who's your favorite low-price quarterback?
2: Um, I got two. I like Josh Allen at 5300 um, Great, yeah. I think that'll be – I mean, these, I think both of these plays will be very chalky, but – you got Josh Allen and then uh, Derek Carr at 5100 yes. um, against the, the Chiefs. I have a feeling the, uh, the whole Oakland offense, their salaries were made before the end or even be- the beginning of the Monday night game because they're all really cheap. Yes,
0: definitely. Um, Steve, how about you? Would you agree with Brad's takes on high price, low price quarterbacks? Any other high price, low price quarterbacks you like?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the other high price quarterback that I'd add is, is Mahomes. Um, you know, you have a situation where clearly the Chiefs are going to throw the football uh, quite a bit, and they just torched a Jags defense that, you know, I, I think it might be a little better than than what uh, Brad said. And so I worry about Watson a little bit just because he still took six sacks in that game. Jags have some guys who can get after the quarterback. That, that worries me slightly. But... Uh but Oakland, you know, like I just mentioned, they just lost a starting safety in the starting corner. You know, uh, Sammy Watkins, he just had a career day, he might have another. Um so I, I, I think I think Mahomes is a great top top level play. Um you know, I think lower tier, I uh uh well two and we talked about them a little bit in our top matchups. Um, When you have Jared Goff and Ben Roethlisberger under 6K, I feel like both of those are situations that could be exploited. Um, You know, Goff at home, like I said, he does have better home splits. And the Saints defense, I think, as we saw, they're not great. Uh, And, you know, Ben Ben Roethlisberger has great home splits as well. And he's facing the Seattle team that just gave up 400 yards pass into Andy Dalton. So, Um, I think especially if we hear, you know, any more news on like Juju or or maybe some fixes to the Steelers situation, uh, passing situation that that's a, those are two guys under six K. I think definitely worth playing on, uh, on DraftKings. Um, and then, you know, I think I probably, uh, won't go there, but Andy Dalton at home against the 49ers. I know the 49ers had a great defensive day against Jameis Winston, but I think that might be more indicative of Jameis Winston um, than than anything else. And and Dalton could, could have another big day. Uh, I'm just not threatened by the 49ers secondary uh, right now. So I think he's another cheap play that, that could make some sense.
0: Sure. Well, I think all those are, are definitely in play for me. I agree with you. Let's move on to running back. Brad, who are you liking as as a, some high price running backs, and and then low price? I know usually depends on injury, so we'll have to see if Mixon uh, is definitely out. You know that would be a uh, situation for Gio Bernard. But um, who who's your favorite high price and low price running back?
2: Yeah, um, I think the best high price running back out there is uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, he is 8200, and he gets to face the same defense that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey just faced Um, Mm -hmm. now McCaffrey was more expensive last week and he still you know put up four point something value and I think Kamara could easily do that he had a lot more uh, snaps than I think most people thought you know if you take that touchdown away from from Murray he pretty much did nothing Um, and I think Kamara will get a lot of workload um, of the running back workload for the saints. So I think that might be the way to go if you're going to pay up. Um, Agree, And I, I think you have to mention Elliot. I think he'll get a lot more work. Um, and he's just going to touch the ball, you know, 20 plus times and I, on a good offense. So I, I think there's some value there, um, at least in cash. Um, as far as low price goes, I really like Burita, especially after mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman being rolled out. Um, You know, Chris Carson had a pretty nice day at Cincinnati, and I think Breida can kind of do the same thing. You know, tons of carries and a a lot of targets coming out of the backfield, Um, as long as he stays healthy on the field, because I know he does have some injury risk. But the other guy I like is uh, Malcolm Brown. Now, I don't suggest playing him a lot, but I think he might be a fun tournament play um, just because he seems to be. The guy pushing the ball in over the end zone. So right. I think there's some value there in a high scoring game. Um, so and he's only forty one hundred, which is a pretty low price.
0: If if Mixon is out, would you go with former UNC standout Gio Bernard?
2: Yeah, you, you have to play him. Um I was gonna say that's a plug and play, right? Yeah. He is fifty three hundred, but I, I think I mean he's gonna get most of the workload, like a significant amount, if Mixon's out. So, you know, you gotta play him.
0: Okay, Steve. Who are your favorite high price and low price running backs?
1: Well, I, I think Brad was 100% right. I mean, Kamara is the best high price running back, um, you know, uh, by far. Um, especially since he's, you know, a thousand less than Barkley and you know, 500 less than Elliott. Uh, Dalvin Cook does give you a thousand savings. Um, I know Green Bay looked good against Chicago, but Minnesota clearly wants to feature Dalvin Cook, so I think he uh, makes sense up near the top as well. Um, I, you know, I like Brita and you know Bernard, some of the other guys that you mentioned. Um, uh, but a lower tier guy that I really like, or, or that I think could be sneaky good uh, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he had 10 rushes for 80 yards. Um, that's pretty good. And he also had a catch for like 12 yards. I think he's just going to get featured more and more. You know, that's Andy Reid's guy. Um, this is an explosive offense. They lose Tyree Hill. They're going to need to move to put the ball in playmakers hands. He's still a playmaker. Uh, he's 4,700. I think he offers a pretty good value. I, you know, I don't know if you're going to look for like 30 point day or anything crazy like that from him but I think he you can get you 20 points Um, you know he just needs to get in the end zone so if he gets in the end zone he's getting you 20 points the bonus might be tough uh, but I would expect more catches than week one so uh, that's a guy low low that I don't think will be highly owned but who has the upside for a 20 20 plus point game
0: all right. This time I'm going to combine the pass catchers. Who's your favorite? And you can give a couple for each. But when it comes to pass catchers, receivers, and tight end, who who do you look like, at like up high and then lower lower price? Brad.
2: Um, up high, I like uh, Juju. I think you know there's a a big bounce. I mean, if he's playing, it sounds like his injury wasn't extremely right. serious. You know, they didn't want to risk it being down 30 points. Um, but I think the, the Seahawks secondary is definitely the weakest part of that defense um, they'll right. be at home um, you know they'll be trying to win obviously they're trying to win but they they really <laughs> want to make a make a statement that they're not as bad as they they were on Sunday because that was probably one of the, the worst performances of a football team I've seen in a while um, but you know Juju's going to get 10 plus targets against a, a relatively bad secondary and uh you know I think that's probably the way to go if you're gonna pay up. Um, as far as low end pass catchers i I really like uh um, Waller from the tight end. Right. once again, I'm pretty sure his price was made Sunday night.
0: oh definitely yeah,
2: or even Monday <laughs> afternoon because it is uh 3-3 or three three thirty three hundred um, you know that'll that'll probably be chalk and uh, I think a a guy kind of. Off the radar of most people would be, um, um what's the team? Buffalo's kind of slot guy. I, I I'm guessing it's Cole Peasley. I didn't really look at where they lined up, but yeah, I think I, I think yeah, yeah. That like inside, um, inside zone of the New York defense um, is something that they can exploit. Um, also, sure. uh, Zay Jones. Um, would be an interesting guy to
1: look at.
0: Okay. Steve, who are your favorite pass catchers, both high price and de- and down low?
1: Uh, well, high price, uh, uh, you know, I agree with, on Juju. I think two other ones that deserve mention, Keenan Allen uh, for in that Detroit game. Um, uh, you know, we saw Detroit secondary, they got, they got handled pretty well, especially from a big slot guy like Larry Fitzgerald. Keenan Allen plays a bit of that role. Um, so I could see him having a big game. And then the other higher priced guy, Amari Cooper, uh, last time he faced the Redskins was Thanksgiving last year, and he absolutely torched them. Uh, you know, the Redskins have decent secondary, but they don't have guys who can run. Uh, Josh Norman's their best corner, but as we saw, you know, when he was on Deshaun. Deshaun can just burn him and Cooper doesn't have Deshaun Jackson speed, but it's pretty close. Um, and I think as we've seen at the end of last year, Cooper had a number of big games. He had a good game this past week. Uh, and you know, without even getting a touchdown. So I think he's going to be a featured target in that offense and, uh, have a big game. And then, you know, we, you know, Brad mentioned Smith Schuster and, and I mentioned Sammy Watkins earlier. I think those are the guys when you're paying up, um, at receiver I'll do tight end separately uh when lower guys if you're not playing Cooper I play Michael Gallup he's under 6k I think uh he could be in line for another big game as well um you know John Brown in that that Giants game I just pick on the Giants that that secondary was looked terrible uh against the Cowboys and and no reason to think they'll look any better this week um You know, I think uh, there's a lot of guys like, um, uh, you know, DJ Chark and uh, some of those other Jacksonville guys. I know it's not the greatest quarterback situation, but I think they're going to have to throw to keep up with Houston. So there should be a lot of pass attempts similar to this past week against the Chiefs. And we saw, you know, the top three receivers all score a touchdown. Chark had a really big game. Uh, So, Investing a little bit on that, taking some flyers on one of these guys uh, could make a lot of sense. Um, At tight end, you know, Darren Waller is obviously the chalk play for the cheap guys. Uh, I do think I would also look at uh, Mark Andrews again um, Mm -hmm. at a big game and uh, uh, Delaney Walker, um, who are both still pretty cheap. Uh, At the top of the tight end market, you know, Kelsey, it's not the greatest of matchups. Um, you know, after after Oakland just completely shut down the Denver uh, tight ends, they do have some safeties, but they lost their one safe starting safety. So Kelsey, I think, who wasn't featured enough week one with no Tyreek Hill could uh, really have a, a big game. And then uh, Evan Ingram is clearly the key to the Giants offense, and they're probably going to be behind so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot so i imagine he has a number of targets again so i think there again there's a lot of ways you can go to the tight end route this week
0: oh definitely well my biggest question this week is how to handle the patriots against the dolphins obviously with the ravens you could play mark ingram um but obviously lamar jackson was the play but also mark andrews was a good play then hollywood brown so um you know when you're when you're Building your lineups this week, do you feel like you have to, A, get a Patriots player in almost every lineup, whether it's a running back or a receiver? Do you feel like you – we didn't mention Brady. Do you feel like you have to stack Brady in his pass catchers, just play some of his pass catchers, play his running back? There's – um, it feels like a thousand ways to go, and I, I honestly – I'm struggling, so that's why I'm asking you guys. Brad, what are you – how are you handling
2: that situation? Um, I think I'll have a lineup where – I'll feature the wide receivers and have one with the uh, running backs. Um, I don't know. The Patriots are one of those teams when you think you have them figured out that they That's don't right. do what you think they're going to do. So I have a tendency that they'll try and I, – I just think Miami's so bad. I think they'll be able to run the ball for most of the game. Um, yes. So I'm not, I feel like I'm leaning towards the, the running back um, part, especially since, you know, if they have two – two quick touchdowns early, I think right. it could be turning into a very short game with the all the running that they'll be doing. So I, I think I'm I'm gonna lean towards Sonny Michelle over someone like Josh Gordon or Edelman.
0: Would you feel the need to play a guy like Rex Burkhead or James White or just stick with Sonny Michelle?
2: In a tournament. Um you know, sure. as like a you know, if I'm if I play 100 lineups, they'll probably both be in less than 10%. Right. Um, I don't think you need to omit them, but I would I would play them every so often.
0: Steve, how are you handling the Patriots when you're building lineups this week?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a tough uh, situation. Um, obviously, the Antonio Brown news, you know, if he's suspended, that changes the receiver outlook. Because uh, you got to figure he'd be more involved than obviously Dorsett had two big touchdowns, but he uh, only had four targets. So, um, I I like the running backs, uh, but I do I'm probably a bit more higher on White or Burkhead. I'm not sure which one it'll be, but I could easily see one of them get 20 points, and for their prices, that would be pretty pretty big. Um, just because I do think it looks like. Tom Brady's going to throw the ball a lot to his backs this year. Um, you know, Burkhead and white combined for what, like 12, 13 targets, something like that. Um, you know, remember they have no Gronk now, uh, actually it's 15 targets between the two of them. Uh, they have no Gronk now, uh, you know, Edelman will get his, of course and Gordon will have the big, huge, big playability, but I like white and Burkhead, um, especially I think Burkhead because he could get some goal line close to the goal line work running the ball as well. Uh, so I think that's a sneaky tournament play, but yeah, that, those are clear like tournament strategies. Um, Brady and Edelman, I think it's the safest play. Uh, if you want to feature a Patriots lineup, but uh, you know, it could be any of them. And that's the thing we saw last week. I mean, Phil Plursette had two touchdowns, like I said, on his right. four targets. So, you know, as we saw with uh, with Miami last week, I mean, everyone could score. Uh, every one of these Patriots guys we're talking about could have a touchdown.
0: Yeah, that's what, as Brad said, that's what's so frustrating with with the Patriots. Just when you think you have it figured out, you don't. So <laughs> I I definitely don't know what to do. Um, let's talk about um, kind of tournament strategy um, and, and you know, high-owned chalk plays. Um i've noticed in looking at the millie Maker lineup from last week and and i think it was a trend some last year too a lot of people were playing some high volume even high owned running backs um three of them one in the flex um and and then you know kind of finding value at wide receiver that's a different strategy than in the past where sometimes people used to you know pay down at running back and then really get the stud receivers that would go off for 50. Um, I know every week is a different week, um, but do you see this strategy becoming more of a trend as we as we read the um, Millie Maker trend, Steve?
1: Um, you know, I think, I think obviously running backs have more ways to get there. It is generally harder for them to get over 40 points. I know, you know, obviously McCaffrey's coming off a big game. Um, so for those monster games... I think getting over 35 points is can be a little harder for a running back than a than a receiver. Even some of these high volume uh, dual threat type guys, uh, you you basically need two touchdowns plus a number of catches and hitting one of the bonuses uh, to get over 35. And you know, with receivers, you you do have more of those like 12 catch, 150 yard, two touchdown games typically than running backs. So, from an upside standpoint. Receivers are typically the way to go, but I think we're, we're seeing our NFL teams are spreading the ball around more. Um, you know, like I mentioned with the Jaguars, I mean, this was a team who was led with Gardner Minshew at quarterback for most of the game and three different receivers had touchdowns. Uh, you, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that are spreading the ball around, have a lot of weapons. The Eagles are one, even though last week was a pretty concentrated week for Jeffrey and and Deshaun, Next week might not be with, you know, it could be an Ertz right. and Goddard week, or they could be going to running backs. We just talked about the Patriots, where they spread the ball around. Running backs give you that certainty, and, that, and some of these guys have that upside. Um, I think this week, a lot of receivers still seem to be moderately priced, so I think it, it could be another week to spend up at, at running back. Um, but as the year goes on, if there's less and less value at receiver, I think it becomes harder and harder.
0: Yeah, and we are seeing kind of the mid-tier receivers go off, just like we saw Sammy Watkins and you know John Brown and Deshaun Jackson and and those guys go off the, um, this past week. Brad, what do you think about kind of that tournament lineup construction? And do you tend to like playing running back in the flex?
2: Um, I, I'm going to agree with Steve. Uh, I, I do feel that most, more often than not, I think a wide receiver is the way to go for the uh, higher upside play, um, right. but you know, if you can fit three running backs in that get, you know, ten targets on top of their fifteen plus carries, you know, that ceiling could be as high as anybody's. And I think obviously it's going to be a week by week decision and where where is the value at. But um, I would not be shocked if there's more and more lineups with uh, you know a six K running back in that flex like Dalvin Cook, um, who Going up against the, the Falcons, probably a little underpriced, but you know, he could just totally smash. Like someone like Chris Carson this week is sixty four hundred and you know, he got if he continues to get eight targets out of their twenty throws, you know, he's gonna have himself a day. So I think there'll right. be more and more instances of, of something like that. Um but I think overall, wide receivers might be the, are probably the way to go, just due to upside factor. Sure.
0: Well, let's wrap up the fantasy um, recap with, with talking about um, kind of which play is your favorite kind of play to eat the chalk and which is your favorite contrarian play. Um, Brad, do you have like a favorite, like last week, Dalvin Cook, you know, you, you definitely should have played Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's your favorite chalk play and who's your favorite contrarian play?
2: Um, my favorite chalk play this week is um, Tyrell Williams. I mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to go, you know, 200 yards and 15 catches. I just think he's just so cheap that you can easily get back his value, um, especially in the game he's at with uh, a KC versus Oakland. I'm assuming there will be a lot of passing attempts, and um, he looked good. He's the best wide receiver on the team. Um, and, you know, if Derek Carr is going to throw 40-plus times, I'll take him.
0: Sure. Any uh, contrarian takes?
2: Um, I think the uh, Green Bay offense, especially the uh, passing offense this mm-hmm. coming week, um, is something to look at. I like at. that. Um, I think uh, MVS, you know, he might be uh, – kind of a nice play i think uh adams he's always had a tough time against minnesota i don't think he's had more than like 40 or 50 yards and like five catches um he does score a touchdown here and there but i think um you know being able to have one of the best quarterbacks ever as your quarterback i don't think being the second wide receiver on that team is such a bad thing um With MVS, I don't think Geronimo Allison's the way to go. Um, (laughs) He had a really bad game, but uh, that is against like the best defense in the league. So I think they're, I think it's going to be a a bit better as far as stats go in the Green Bay offense. Um, I think they'll be able to run the ball a lot better as well. Um, I I think people are going to see that Minnesota game against Atlanta and just overlook Green Bay a little bit. And I, sure. I think there's there's some value there.
0: I would agree. I would agree, Steve. Who's your favorite uh, player to eat the chalk with and, and you know, contrarian play?
1: Uh, well, it goes back to what we were just talking about with running backs and two guys who are expected to be highly owned, uh, Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. I think I'm very good eating the chalk with both of those guys, especially sure. Eckler didn't get priced up that much, um, yeah, you know, it's a bit of a tougher matchup maybe, uh, but I I think he's in line for another big game. Um, I think a contrarian play, uh, you know, I, you know, some of the ownership projections, if what they're if what they're saying is right, I'm happy to hit some of these low owned guys. Like I've seen things where like John Brown and Marquise Brown are both going to be under five percent owned. Um, and I feel like they both have potentially good matchups again. Um, but one guy that I, I like, uh, to have a, a pretty big game, um, especially for his price would be, uh, Tariq Cohen versus Denver. I think they're going to need to get that bears offense clicking. And I think it's going to go through Cohen from the backfield right now. Probably a lot of passing, not, not much actual running, um, so he's like another receiver that you could be getting for like forty five hundred. I could see like eight to ten targets in this game at uh, forty five hundred if you want to use him as like your flex kind of play. He obviously doesn't have the same kind of volume that the other running backs that we were talking about. Uh, but I've seen him as low as like one percent owned in in some projections. So um, he's a guy you could fit in the lineups that I think could be in line for a big game. I think uh, I like
0: that take.
2: Yeah, I think Cohen's a good. A good call. Um, he had 10 targets last week, and you know, yeah. if Anthony Miller isn't really going to play much, he's pretty much going to be the slot receiver for the Bears. Exactly. Um, Cohen is. So, I think you're pretty much playing a wide receiver at that point, and he's going to get tons of targets.
0: That's a great point.
2: That's a great point. Well,
0: guys, this has been fun. Um, Brad, any closing thoughts to take us into week two?
2: Um, No. Just hope the games go that I want them to. So that'll be a you another UNC, UNC win, and then...
0: Uh, uh, when does UNC play on Saturday, I assume?
2: The, they play uh, Friday, actually, and um, I'll okay. be leaving work a little early to go to Winston-Salem, because they're, uh, they're facing Wake Forest, and Doug lives there, so... Oh, very nice. I'll be able to awesome. see him and hang out.
0: Yeah, hang out. That's our other cousin, Cousin Doug. My brother. Um, all right. Well, Well. yeah, I hope you guys see a win on Friday, and I hope your uh, Panthers win tomorrow night. Eh?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: all right, Steve, any closing thoughts for you?
1: Uh, you know, I think uh, this NFL week, kind of what I said before, uh, not a ton of great matchups, but it seems to be a lot of evenly matched teams, like a lot of bad teams, bad teams, mid-tier, mid-tier a couple of the big matchups uh, that we talked about, uh, the, the Eagles-Falcons, another one, uh, that's one of the night games. So I think this will separate some teams to see where they really fall um, versus, you know, what, what we saw week one. So I think we'll start to get some good information on some of these teams from uh, what appears to be even matchups on paper. Absolutely. Oh, well, guys, have, uh, like one more oh, uh, sure. comment. Um, a fun little thing I saw on the internet
2: today. So the last, so this weekend, there's no college football. There's no ranked matchups, and the last oh. time that has happened was uh, I think week week seven in 2017, and uh, there were uh, seven ranked teams losing. Um, but uh, the most notable one was Clemson at Syracuse. Oh wow! Guess where Clemson plays this week. I'm guessing Syracuse, Syracuse. okay. I thought that was a a fun little thing, and so, you know.
0: I like going back to the data. I like it. See see how that goes. Stats, yeah. All right. All right. right. Well, well, to pay attention to that, I did not know that there were no ranked games on Saturday, or no ranked teams playing each other on Saturday. That's interesting. All right, guys. Well, this was fun. We want to thank everybody for listening. And if you like it, please um, review it and share it with your friends. Um, So now we're on to more college football in week two of the NFL. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.